The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I, you know, I've thought a lot about, uh, we're certainly living in a time, in a season, uh, it's historical at best, um, and at its worst in our nation. We're living in a time uh, when men's hearts are failing them for fear. I, I visit with uh, God's people in a lot of different contexts in my life. Uh, as a pastor, I visit with a lot of the Lord's people in our community um, in my, and I hate to say secular vocation because as a disciple, there really is nothing, uh, no such thing as a secular vocation. Whatsoever we do, we do all is unto the Lord. But in my quote secular vocation, I visit with a lot of the Lord's people and uh, a common, certainly over the past uh, six months or so, the common feeling that I get from all of them is the uh, emotion of fear. Right. I've never experienced that at the level uh, right. that I have over the past 45 years of gospel ministry. I've never experienced as much fear among the Lord's people as I do now. Right. And certainly we're living in that season and it's understandable. Our circumstances uh, will often dictate to us uh, our emotions, right? So uh, this morning I would like to share with you a passage of Scripture that uh, I have felt to be uh, incredibly comforting and consoling to me, and I hope that the Lord will um, bless me to maybe comfort and console anyone's heart here this morning who may have experienced fear or apprehension. And so let me say that I have on more occasions than I'm comfortable with revealing, I have become in my own life personally, even as a minister of the gospel, I have become paralyzed by my circumstances in life previously. I have just, oh Lord, what now? What next? What do I do? But God is so faithful. Turn to Isaiah chapter 49, if you would. Isaiah chapter 49. I'm going to, I'm going to move. I'm not going to say that. I don't want to, like the brother said, I don't want to lie on accident. Well, I'll just be a few minutes. I'll move quickly through God. <clears throat> but I do want to be as expedient, expeditious as is possible. Isaiah 49. Just a very quick thought on this song. It, is, it depends on how you divide them in the book of Isaiah. Um, but this is one of the four servant songs, it's called. One of the four servant, or it could be one of the five or one of the six, depending on how, but it doesn't matter. There are servant songs, uh, songs of the servant, the very mysterious figure in the book of Isaiah. Um, there was a, a great English uh, Baptist preacher several hundred years ago, anytime he took a text from the book of Isaiah, he would always ask the congregation, he would, he would ask them, he said, would you please turn with me to the gospel according to Isaiah? I like that. <laughs> it is. Some of the most vivid, clear pictures uh, that you'll ever receive from the word, even out of the gospel. Some of those vivid, clear pictures that you will ever receive about who the Lord Jesus Christ was and what he came to do will be found in Isaiah's prophecy. So it's correctly titled the gospel according to Isaiah. 
inside of the Gospel of Isaiah, there are these very unique passages that are referred to as servant songs. And I had an incredible experience about a year ago with a young lady who's a principal in one of our schools, and she was raised as an Orthodox Jew. And so I asked her, she and I are very dear friends, and I asked her, I said, Bonnie Jones, tell me how it is you came from being an Orthodox Jew to a precious disciple of the Lord and Savior Jesus. What was your journey? What was the tipping point? Where was it? And she said it was the servant songs of Isaiah. As she was studying the servant songs of Isaiah in her home. She, of course, was not allowed to know anything about the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only what she could. And this is, she's about a 12 or 13 year old. She said it was just before her bar mitzvah. Boys have a bar. Girls have a bar mitzvah. Just before she's become a quote adult for uh, Orthodox Jewish principle. And she said it was in, and I was told that uh, these passages were about the Messiah. That's what the rabbi told me. And she said, I didn't understand. Because as you read these service songs, and I encourage you to do that, the last half of the 52nd chapter and all of chapter 53, probably the most famous of the servant songs. And she said, I would read about the servant songs and the Messiah, this is the Messiah. And she said, we were taught that the Messiah is going to be a great warrior king, that he's going to come back and he's going to wreak havoc on the face of the earth and reestablish Israel to great prominence and all the nations will flow back to Mount Zion and give honor and, and the Levitical priesthood will be restored and the Aaronic priesthood will be restored and Israel will be great again. Our Messiah is going to come back and he's going to impose his military and political will and we will be the top nation on the face of the earth again. He's going to be mighty. She said, but in my little young mind, I began to read about the servant Messiah whose visage, Isaiah said in Isaiah 52, is going to be marred more than that of any man. And then I read about him in Isaiah 53, that it was going to please the Lord. It would not just God would begrudgingly, but that it would please the Lord to bruise him. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. She did it. It didn't sound like a mighty warrior king to me. I couldn't put it all together. And then she came in contact with another young lady at a public library who was a Christian and explained to her who the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 was. She said, and it all made sense. So uh, he is the suffering servant of Jehovah. That has nothing to do with what I want to talk about this morning. Absolutely nothing. That's free. I'm not charging for that part of the sermon. The rest of it's going to cost you. Okay, so <laughs> this is the servant song. I want you to notice in here, as we begin to talk about the servant song, no, this, it's not, Jesus is not the, watch this. Jesus is not the servant in this song because he's going to be called Israel. He will be called Israel. But then we're going to see later as we keep reading that this servant who's given the name Israel is going to serve Israel He's going to serve Jacob. So how can he be Israel and serve Israel and be Jacob? I'll give you a little teaser. 
So closely is the Lord Jesus Christ associated with his family that God does not see the head apart from the body so that he even takes our name on Calvary. Do you know what his name was on Calvary? David Crawford. (laughs) That's right. It was Tim McCool. It was Chris McCool. It was Buddy Abernathy. John Morgan Owens. He took our name on the tree, took our sins in His body on the tree so that we being dead to sins should live unto God uh, in His righteousness by whose stripes you're healed. So don't get confused as we read this. It's going to call His name. He's just being closely identified with the people that He's serving so that He even takes on their name. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it great to know that your Savior Is that closely identified? Sometimes you feel like, does he care? Does God care? Yes, he cares. He's taken on your nature. He's become what we are. Mm. To live the life we couldn't live and die the death that we couldn't die and go to a place that we'd never get on our own. Mm. Hallelujah. What a Savior. I may never get to even start reading a verse here. I don't know. It's okay. Listen, O Isles, unto me. And hearken unto me, ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother, he hath made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth. Now he's talking about the servant here. See the Savior. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. We see that played out again, don't we? In the New Testament, the book of Revelation, from his mouth cometh a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he hath hid me. And he said unto me, now this is the father speaking to the son. He said unto me, thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Looks like he's called me Israel, but I'm going to prove he's not. He's just identifying. The servant's identifying himself with the folks that he comes to serve. Then said I, the servant, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught in vain. Surely my judgment's with the Lord, my work's with the Lord. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. Listen to this. To bring Jacob again to him, though Israel be not gathered, yet I, as opposed to Israel and Jacob. That's where we see they're distinct from him. You see that? But he called his name Israel. That is, if you don't get anything else, carry that home with you. Though Israel be not gathered, yet I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord. My God shall be my strength. And he said, is it a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob? Again, a distinction between the servant and Israel, who are here called the tribes of Jacob. And to restore the preserved of Israel. So this servant who takes on the name of those that he serves is going to preserve Israel. I'll give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation to the end of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see, and arise, princes shall also worship, because the Lord is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he chose thee. Now listen, things look pretty good for Israel. This, now this is, I want you to transition to this line of thinking now. God is moving on behalf of his people here, Right? He is sending them the servant of servants, the most glorious servant, a servant from heaven 
God is serving his people. He's taking care of them. He's going to gather them again. He's going to restore them. As we know, at this point in the history, they've gone far from him, following after the pagan idols of the land in which they lived. And yet he says, I'm going to gather and I'm going to restore. You're my people. I've, I'm going to uh, enact covenant engagements. I'm going to be faithful. Listen. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant uh, of the people to establish the earth and to inherit desolate heritages. Now listen, this is what he promises Israel in verse 9. God has done these things for us. This is, I want you to really get this in, that God is going to tell them things that he's doing for them, providing for them in ways that are just over the top. They're too much. They're mind-boggling. And as you hear and listen to the things that God's going to do for his people, and I want you to relate them to your life and how God's done them for you and how he's taking care of you. And at the end of that, I want you to ask, is there any reason that I can't have confidence in God? Okay? That's kind of the line of thinking that's called an advanced cognitive organizer that's free too i'm not charging for that that's the way i want you to be thinking okay think all these things god has done for me just what he's prisoners are going to be set free he's going to he's going to uh, lay waste mountains so that i can go across them on a flat it's amazing what he's going to so why wouldn't i trust god listen to what he says in verse nine he says i want you to say this to the prisoners go forth God is going to set people that have been in prison, those that have been in chains and shackles and bondage, He's going, go forth. You're free. I'm setting you free. Go forth to them that are in darkness and show yourself. Every one of us, every one of us, everyone seated under the sound of my voice this morning, at some point in your life, you've been in prison. At some point in your life, you've been in chains and shackles. Initially, we were in bondage and imprisoned to the power and the dominion of sin. But God in regeneration and the new birth comes and breaks the power of canceled sin and sets us free from the dominion of sin. So we're no longer the slaves and the servants or in prison to sin anymore. We have the ability to make choices. Amen? Amen. But then even after we're born again, God hasn't promised sky is always blue. Right? Flower-strown pathways. All there have been troubles and trials even after we begin to serve God and we've tried to be faithful to Him and follow Him in the new and living way. And then you begin to, uh, you begin to get diagnosis from doctors. You're sending biopsies off. And you're beginning to sound like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus whenever they said to Jesus, but we had hoped... <laughs> The doctors come back with the results from the biopsy and they say, but we had hoped. Or the parents bring their daughter, their son to me who are beginning to experiment, trying to steal love from other places like drugs and alcohol. We were trying to raise them right, but we had hoped they'd make it. Uh, husbands and wives come to me and they tell me that their marriages are, are falling apart, but we had hoped. And hope seems to be going out of their life. Maybe you've experienced difficult circumstances and you felt like hope was going out and then all of a sudden at the end when hope seemed lost, God moved in your life and changed things and delivered you and opened up the prison door and you're back up on top again. Amen. 
and things that only the Lord could do. Don't give up hope. God is still in the business of setting prisoners free. We've all felt like prisoners at one time or another this year, hadn't we? When we were sequestered in our homes and could no longer go out to the house of God and feel the warm and fond embrace. Friends, night doesn't last always. Joy will come in the morning when God comes to our circumstances and sets us free. He's an emancipating God. That's what he does. He knows how to open up prison doors of, of pandemics. He knows how to open up prison doors of relationships that are on the rocks. He knows how to set prisoners free. God says, I'm going to set prisoners free. Them that are in darkness, show yourselves. I'm going to illuminate you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to feed you. And their pastors shall be in high places. Not only am I going to set you free, but I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to take care of you. Listen, I know we get in doubt. We get worried. And something's always running out. It seems like there's never enough of anything, especially toilet tissue in the middle of a pen. I still hadn't figured that out. So it's amazing. But God says, don't worry. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to lead you to pastures of plenty. We don't have to. Or David said, I was young, but now I'm old. Yet in all the days, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed break. The, the very fact that we're here this morning and we've made it this far is plenty of reason to believe if God's brought me this far, he can give me the rest of the way. Amen. He's, let me say this. God keeps what he creates. <laughs> He's upholding all things by the word of his power. He simply, he simply speaks and it's done. God will keep you. If you're his child, God will provide for you in ways that seem good. You may not have... I, and I have not had all of my wants, but he's always given me all of my needs. And if you don't have what you want today, it's a fact that you don't need it Amen. or your God would give it to you. Because for God not to give you his need, not for God not to give you the things that you absolutely need would be to count the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ an unholy thing because the Apostle Paul promised that the blood of our Savior at Calvary has purchased every blessing that we need in this world and the world to come. Whenever he said, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. So now listen, can we ask any more of God than that? He set us free. He's taking care of us. He's going to make it, listen to this. They shall not hunger, neither shall they thirst, neither shall the heat nor the sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall he guide them. God has led us by springs of water. Listen, while our precious brother was, was preaching to us this morning and, and you were being refreshed, there's some of you right now that are under the sound of my voice. You feel a lot better right now than you did when you got here. Amen. That's because God's leading you by springs of water. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's taking care of us. And listen, he says, and I will make all mountains away. I'll make all mountains away. Now listen, whenever you're building a highway, you don't build them through mountains. And you know what God does? Whenever you come to mountains, obstacles in your life, uh, ways that you can't get over, things that you can't get around, you know what God does? He just levels them, friends. He'll make a way where there is no way in your life. Our extremities are God's opportunities. 
God's not hindered. He can save by a lot or by a few. It doesn't bother Him. And there aren't any mountains so big that God can't bring them down. And my highway shall be exalted. It doesn't matter how big the obstacle, and my highway shall be exalted. That means it doesn't matter how deep the valley is. There are some of you have been in some deep valleys in your life, hadn't you? But you've made it. It's because God raised you and lifted you up above the shadow of your circumstances, and He's not going to quit doing that. Now what more, what more could a people ask for? He said this, it gets better. He said, behold, these shall come from afar and lo, these from the north and from the west and these from the land of Sidon. That means God is going to gather his people. God's going to bring all of his people to them. You all, that's one of the reasons I love you all here. You all believe that all the father given me shall come unto me. He that comes unto me, I'll in no wise cast out. God is going to have every one of them, everyone the Lord Jesus Christ purchased. They're coming from the north, from the east, from the west, from the south, from the land of Sinem. They're going to come. God's, and why are they going to come? Why are they going to come? Because God's going to go and fetch them. Amen. He's going to go and get them. Amen. It's the only reason I'm here this morning because years ago he went and got me. Amen. I wouldn't be here if he hadn't gotten me. Right. Years ago, he's going to get them. It doesn't matter where they're at. He said that uh, he said this. Uh, Isaiah said that uh, the Lord's going to say one day to the north, "Give up to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth. He'll have every one of them. None of them are going to be everlastingly destroyed. And from the land of Sinai, you know where that is." Well, if you do, you're in better shape than I am because I can't tell you where it is. There are some people that believe it's Egypt. There are some great scholars that believe it's Egypt. There are some great scholars that believe it's China. But no one really knows for sure where Sinem is, and I'm glad it's that way. That means wherever there, even places that the preacher don't know about, God knows about it, and if one of his sheep is there, he's going to get them. Even if it's in the unknown land of Sinem. Y'all believe that, don't you? So God, what more? And here's where we're at. What more could the people of God? Why would we ever wonder, right? Why would we ever doubt? Why would we ever question our God? Don't you feel that way right now? How could I ever question him? And so the Lord gets happy about it. (laughs) The Lord's pleased with himself, by the way. He is. God's the only being in this universe that has a right to be egocentric. He can make it all about him. It is all about him. Of him, through him, and to him are all things. And so he commands, looking at the glory of his greatness and the provision of his splendor, he says this, Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing. O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. That's what we're doing this morning, isn't it? We're singing, we're rejoicing, we're shouting. And then the reality of the human nature comes in, and this is where I wanted to end up. Do you, my fa- I guess my favorite character in all of children's literature, let's tell you a little something about myself. In the tales of Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh, there is a little donkey named Eeyore. <laughs> You all knew it was coming. So I'm going to read this next verse a little dramatic. You'll please forgive me. I have a little drama. I'm going to read this next verse. Now remember everything that God has just done, right? And this is you and I and Eeyore. 
right? That's the way you would have read it. Listen to this. I love this. He says, um, but Zion said, <laughs> the Lord hath forsaken me, and the Lord hath forgotten me. That is so us. That's right. But the Lord's forsaken me, but the Lord's forgotten me. Right. Oh, no. It's COVID. Greater than God. Incredible. Don't have a job. My girlfriend forgot me. My bank account's full, but my blood pressure's weak. You know, it's always something wrong. What is wrong with us? Shakespeare said, I'm human, far too human. You say, well, I'm above that. <laughs> Let me say this. If the man, if the man that Jesus said, the greatest man born among women of the children of men is who? John the Baptist. If John, the man who laid hands on the God-man, laid hands on the God-man, and laid him beneath the liquid grave, and immediately hears the voice of the Father from heaven saying, this is my beloved, I'm trying to do Father's voice, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, and then he sees the, sees the Spirit of God descend like a dove. So he lays hand on the Son of God, he hears the voice of the Father, sees the Spirit of God, and then later he says, gets in prison, and we all get in prison, right? right. That's right. We get in the prison of our circumstances. Yeah. What's going on around us? We just, we have got to quit letting our circumstances direct and indicate what our emotion is going to be. Right. We have to quit Amen. that. Amen. John did. So if John the Baptist did, it's a good chance you and I are going to slip. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and he said, Art thou the Christ, should we look for another? That's the equivalent. That is the equivalent of Zion saying, The Lord has forsaken me, He has forgotten me. So here, very quickly, very quickly, wow, 10 minutes. How many of y'all believe that's really 10 minutes? How many of y'all really believe? Ten, no, 10 minutes, really. Um, the Lord hath forsaken, the Lord hath forgot me. So here is what the Lord does for us. Here's what the Lord does for us to consult. What a merciful God. Listen, if I just done all of that for all of you, and you say, but Brother David has forsaken me, but Brother David has forgotten me, I would have just said, be gone. <laughs> Sorry. I've fed you, I've clothed you, I've got you out of prison, I've brought down mountains, I've exalted valleys, see you later. <laughs> but notice what the Lord does. He says, can a woman forsake her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Can a woman forget her sucking child? So right now, I want to help um, Sister Diane McCool because there's a little dis disequilibrium with that precious mother. She's thinking, no, a woman would never forsake her sucking child because she would not. See, that's the difference between, you notice God didn't say, can a mother forsake her second child? Yes, yeah. Sister Diane said, can a woman? A mother will never forsake her Amen. child. 
But let me say, so let me stop and say this on a very practical level. Just because a man or woman has the uh, ability to biologically procreate and by the help of God bring life into this world, that does not give them the right to bear the title of father or mother. I've seen a lot of men and women who could biologically procreate and walk off from their children, leave them, turn their backs on them to the mercy of God in this world. And the world's not very merciful. They are not fathers or mothers. Father and mother is an earned title. And I say that with a great deal of compassion and kindness. It's an earned title. And so... Uh, he said, yea, she may forget. Now, <clears throat> I want you to notice here, God loves us so much. He, the God of heaven and of earth is going to compare himself to a nursing mother. We're, men, we're so worried about our man card, aren't we? <laughs> At home we are. I mean, we're always clipping each other's man card. I don't have a man card anymore, by the way. I lost mine. Mine's been clipped up. So God's not worried about his man card. He compares himself to a nursing mother. Can you believe that? The God of the universe says, I'm like a nursing mother. So what is that? A nursing mother. He said, can a woman... Now listen. He says, yea, they may, but I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. See, here's, here's, here's the way God has designed things. It is, there is something biologically, and I don't know this from uh, blessed experience, <laughs> but there is some, God has created women from a physiological, Brother Neil understands it, from a, uh, from a physiological standpoint, He has created them so that it is very difficult for a woman to forsake or forget her suckling child. There are a couple of chemicals that take place that are going on inside of, that are active inside of a nursing mother and they're prolactin and oxytocin. And both of them are a part of her nature biologically and they compel her, they draw her, they move her to want to nurse her child. Isn't that amazing? We are curiously and wonderfully made, aren't we? That, got, that those two chemicals would move and yet... So it's not in the nature. Women may forget their suckling child. Now here it is. Women may forget their suckling child, even though God has placed those chemicals in them to move them toward their suckling child, the desire to nurse their suckling child. What God is saying, just as it should not be in the nature of a woman to forsake her suckling child, He said, I can't forget my children because it would go against my nature. It is not in the nature of God. God's nature, what He is, the implication of all of His glorious attributes will not allow Him to forsake you. God is faithful. His name is faithfulness. And His attribute of faithfulness, His attribute of love will not allow Him to leave you behind. Though David Crawford is very leavable, I am. I wouldn't blame God if He left me. I would not. I wouldn't have gone to the lengths that God went to for me. I wouldn't have. But His nature demands that He do it. Because of His great love wherewith He loved us. And love, 
One of the fundamental attributes of love is that love desires and demands the fellowship of the object of its love. And God will have us. He loves us. He's going to have us in eternal and everlasting fellowship. You say, well, so far, that's just words, preacher. (laughs) So far, it's just words. You're just telling me. (laughs) Show me, right? (laughs) We're from Missouri. When trouble and trial comes along, we all get from Missouri, right? The show me state. (laughs) God, okay, you say you love me, but let me tell you. Listen to what he said. He says this. Behold, I've graven thee on the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Now I'm going to show you it's not just words with God. Behold, I've graven thee on the palms of my hands. And when I finish with this, I am done. I've graven thee. So we're going to go from words to action. I've graven thee on the palms of my hands. Thy walls are ever before me. Back over in the, there's an unusual law uh, in the Deuteronomic Code, there's an unusual law, uh, and it dealt with indentured servitude. And many of you know what indentured servitude are. Many people came to the United States of America back in the 1700s, 1600s, as indentured servants. And that is, they would sell themselves to someone for a period of years, six or eight years. If you'll get me to America... If you'll book me passage to America, pay me a little wage while I'm working for you, I'm yours. And I will be your servant. I will become your slave for six or eight years. You will own me. And uh, I'll no longer impose my will in my own life. But whatever your will is, that's what slaves do. They're not volitional anymore if they're slaves. Their master's will is what counts. So I will sell myself to you. And whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do that. Now, who would like to live like that? I don't want that. have to get really poor. But listen, in ancient Israel, they get very poor. And their families would be starving. Maybe the crops hadn't come in for the past couple of years and they had no way. They had no crops and they had no money. They had no visible means of support. And so a dad would do the last thing that he wanted to do. He'd bid his wife and children goodbye. And he'd go down the road to the rich farmer that had been blessed by God. And he would, he'd sell himself. And he'd leave his wife and children. He'd become the servant of that rich farmer. In Israel, you could do that for up to six years. You could sell yourself for up to six years. And don't you know, at the end of the six years, it was a happy time for that indentured servant when the debt was paid and I'm going back to my wife and children. But now listen, I'm going to tell you something that's amazing. Every once in a while, at the end of six years, a servant would say, this is the language of the Word of God, But I love my master. (laughs) He'd been blessed. He'd been in a good home, been taken care of. And the law of God said, if that's the case, that you don't want to leave him and you want to be his servant, you want to be the servant of the master in perpetuity, then the servant is to go with the master to the judges of the city, present themselves, and then on on the doorpost, the servant is to place his ear on the doorpost and they're to take a big awl, a big sharp pointed object, and they're to drill a large hole. And wherever that man goes for the rest of his life in Israel, the people that see him will know that he's the property of another. He doesn't belong to himself. 
Now that's an amazing story, isn't it? That a servant would take an awe through the ear and become a perpetual servant of a master. That's an amazing story. But I'll tell you a more amazing story than that. I'll tell you about a master who said, I love my servants. They're the slaves of sin. And I'm going to take my ear before the judge of heaven and of earth. And the master is pierced. Not the servants for the master. But the master is pierced for the servants. 2,000 years ago, in a quiet room where 11 frightened men were sequestered, and one of them has said, I won't believe he's alive. I can't believe he's alive. It's never happened before in the history of humanity. Jesus can't be alive. I won't believe until I put my fingers in the prints of the nails in his hand and I thrust my hand into his side. I won't believe until I do that. And eight days later, they're gathered together again. And then all of a sudden, the crown prince of glory appears in the presence of those men. And he says, Tom, listen, do you need proof in your life that God loves you and that He cares for you when you feel like He's let you alone and He's abandoned you and He's forsaking you? Do you need proof? Then go to the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John and look whenever He tells Thomas, Thomas, here I am. Don't be faithless, but believing. Behold my hands. Put your, put your hands into the prints of the nails in my hand. Behold my side. I love you, Thomas. I care for you. Thrust your hand into my side. And Thomas gave a glorious, reasonable response. My Lord and my God. Amen. And whenever by my faith I can see that room, and I can see instead of Thomas standing there, David Crawford standing there, and over the course of my life as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, that precious Savior has come to me again and again in the midst of my doubts and my fears and my failings. And He has said, David, look at the prints in my hand. Don't be faithless, but believe, son. Your name's graven in the palm of my hand. going to be a lot of folks. Our brother says it's going to be a lot of folks. It's going to be a lot of folks in glory. A lot. I believe multiplied beings. Let me say this. Just for the I believe, I believe that Jesus got more than Satan. I do. I believe there's going to be more children of God than there are children of the I don't believe Jesus is going to finish second place to Satan in anything. I think in all things he's going to have the preeminence. So anyway, it's going to be multiplied beings of people in heaven. So how are we going to know? Daly and Vincent tells us, don't they? We'll know him. You can't miss him. Because he'll have the only man-made things in heaven. You'll know him, they said, by the marks in his hands. You won't miss it. You won't doubt. I had an evangelist years ago that sent, uh, that sent a letter to me. And he said, listen, you need to have me at your church. He said, because when I, this is what he said. <laughs> the letter I got, he said, you need to have me at your church because whenever I get to heaven, there will be thousands that come up to me and thank me. 
for having saved them and gotten them to glory. So you need to have me at your church. I'm effective. And uh, I didn't because it wasn't right. But I, I wanted to say, I'll invite you to come and you let me see the prints in your hands and the, and the, and the cleft in your side and then we'll let you preach here. <laughs> no, no, it's all about him. Don't doubt. Satan is the master at creating doubt and questions in your mind. The Son of God, our Father, is committed to you at the level of the death of His Son. If He do that for you, no good thing will He withhold from them that fear Him. I love you and thank you for your kind attention. May the Lord bless and keep you is my prayer for Christ's sake. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.